Our scripture this morning comes out of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter um, 6. Dan is coming to read our scripture for us this morning. And Dan, there in, your, in, in the bulletin, uh, I th- did you see there in the bulletin, is verses 25 through 33. Uh, okay, all right. Here on our, on, on our screen, it just says verse 33, but it's going to be 25 through 33. It's found there in the Pew Bible there in front of you. You can find that very quickly on page 685 if you would like to follow along. And as always, you're invited and encouraged to follow along. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God closes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Let us pray. Mighty God, thank you for this, your word. And pour out your spirit upon this, your word, this word of life, that we might be people of life and grace and love. Now, God, hide me behind the shadow of the cross, that your message of love and grace might shine through for the redemption of the world. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. We called our pastors preacher when I was growing up not by their first name at all. We didn't call them Pastor Jim or uh, Pastor Jesse. We called them preacher. That's what we called them. Now, there were a number of reasons that we probably did that. One was that uh, over the first 18 years of my life in that church, we had seven different preachers. We hardly had enough time to learn their names, and so we just called them all preacher. And also, I suspect, looking back on it, I suspect that, that we, it was a little, I mean, certainly there were a number of folks that, that used that as a term of endearment and also a term of respect. But again, we didn't call them pastor or reverend, we called them preacher. <laughs> that felt a little bit different uh, than what I've experienced over the years as being a pastor myself. But there was also, I suspect, I suspect, that there may have been a little bit of undercurrent to that as well from some of the leaders in our church. We didn't bother learning your name, preacher. And guess what? We'll be here a lot longer than you are. And so guess who's running this church, preacher? Well, I have not really, I, it's certainly growing up, I had not ever thought about the impact of, of us calling our pastor preacher and not by uh, his or her first name. 
You see, as a, as a pastor, over the last almost 21 years of being a pastor, I have, I have struggled with my identity with who I am because my identity, for many people that I know, in fact, in Oklahoma City, you all are probably 98% of the people that I know here in our community. And so 98% of the people that I hang around with, my identity is tied to what I do. And sometimes that is so very confusing for me, especially when I first started out in ministry. I remember when, our, when I first started out in ministry, we had two young children at home. And I remember, I remember one time uh, that uh, it was not long. I mean, we were having to get ready to go to church, and, and one of our children needed their diapers changed. And I changed their diaper, and I looked up at my wife, and I said, I bet Billy Graham never had never had to change a diaper. And her response was, but honey, you're not Billy Graham. <laughs> um, I, I, so, so I was a preacher and that's, that's what I was. But then I was also a dad and I was a husband and I was a son and I was also a friend. But all of my identity was wrapped up in being a preacher. And so that's who I thought of myself, especially in those early days. I, I thought of myself as preacher. And so when I would go home and see my family, my, my birth family, my, my siblings and my parents, they didn't treat me like preacher. They treated me like a young brother and the youngest son of theirs. And so it was all very, very confusing. And I know, I know that I'm not, I, I'm, I know that I'm not, I'm not the only one that, that struggles, that struggles with that, that struggles with being defined by what I do and my, my job. I, I know I'm not the only one that struggles with that. We work long hours, and we climb our way up the ladder, and we, and we stick with our careers that don't fulfill us, and we, we miss important moments in our families because oftentimes we don't have it figured out yet. We don't have it figured out yet. Many of us don't have it figured out until right before retirement. <laughs> then we finally get it figured out. And then guess what? We're retired and we don't have a vocation any longer. And so the, then we don't have work friends and we're no longer able to be defined by our job that we have had for many of us for decades at a time. We lose our work friends and our income and even, even our own identity. So for those of you who are still working, I think there are some words from our scripture today. For those of you who are retired, I think there are some words for you today. And for those who are, who are uh, young adults or teenagers, youth, and even children, and you're thinking about what in the world do I want to do when I grow up? What do I want to do? What kind of career do I want to have? Well, I think that there are some words for you as well. And I think, I think for all of these reasons, I think that's why we need to get this vocation life figured out. Today, we're continuing this sermon series dealing with this one life that we've been entrusted with. We have, we have one shot at this thing called life. Again, that's kind of the premise of this, of this entire series. We have one shot at this thing called life. And there are some things that are so important that, we, that the, sooner we get them, we, the sooner we get that figured out, the easier life is going to be. 
The sooner we get love figured out, the easier that life is going to be. The sooner we get wisdom figured out, the sooner we get all of these other things figured out, the easier life is going to be. And then we'll finally begin to have fulfillment and meaning and purpose in life. And we won't just be wandering through life, hoping and praying that we get something right. And so today we are looking at, we're looking at our vocations. And we need to get right our, our vocation life. Our scripture this morning, some might suggest that this is an odd place to begin as we start thinking about vocations. I mean, Jesus here is talking about uh, not being anxious in what we do and not being anxious about our lives and what we're going to eat and what we're going to drink and what we're going to wear. But what I have found is that for most of us, the reason that we have jobs is for those things. The reason that we have a job is so we can get paid, so we can have clothes, and so we can eat, and so we can drink, and so we can have a home to live in and cars to drive. For many of us, that's the reason that we have our jobs. For many of us, that's the reason that we worked 40 years in the same industry that we absolutely hated. We did it so that we could have enough to eat and clothes to wear and a, and a, place, and a place to lay our head at night. But Jesus says... Jesus says, don't worry about those things. Now, again, I mean, we, I, mean I come at this a, a little bit cynical. <laughs> That's easy for you to say, Jesus. <laughs> That's easy for you to say, Jesus. You were the son of God. Yeah, God was going to take care of you. Of course you didn't have any home. That's okay. It's okay. You knew that God was going to take care of you. It was real easy for you, Jesus, to say, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink because... You fed 5,000 people with a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. Of course, it was easy for you, Jesus, to not worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. Of course, it was easy for you, Jesus, to not worry about what you were going to wear. You wore toga and sandals. I understand. But I think he has some strong words for us. Consider the lilies of the field how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of those. Consider the birds of the air. They don't work and toil, but God, God, God takes care of them. So do not worry. And anxious saying, what are we going to eat or what shall we drink and what shall we wear? For the Gentiles... Seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first. Here's the key. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things are going to be added to you. Amen. I mean, I could probably stop right there. I could probably stop right there. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the rest of these things are going to be added to you. What I have found is when we follow God's call upon our lives, God's simply going to take care of us. It's what happens. It happens time and time and time again. When I felt, first felt called uh, to be a pastor at the age of 18, <laughs> I felt a call to be a pastor at the age of 18. There were so many things that I was worried about, so many things I was so frightened about. Uh, the first was the financial burdens that I have, that growing up and the preachers that we had, they were all broke, 
always. They never had enough money. They were horribly underpaid. And I was so very concerned. I was so scared. I didn't want to live my life in poverty and always having to ask others for help. I, I was so scared about that. I, I was so scared about uh, my future wife. Who in their right mind would want to marry a preacher? And I was so worried about my kids. I'd grown up in the church, and I knew preachers' kids. And they scared me to death. That I, I was scared to death that I was going to have typical PKs, typical preacher kids. Here's what I found. It's when I followed God's call upon my life, those things that I was most scared about have been the biggest blessings in all of my life. I have never had to worry about money, no matter how little or how much we've made. I've never had to worry about money. Certainly, we've, I mean, there have been times in our lives that we've really had to watch everything that we spent. There were times in my early ministry that we had, I had to, I had to wait to cash my paycheck because the church didn't have enough in their account to be able to cover my paycheck. I've been through that. We've been through that as a family and what it was like uh, to, to eat ramen noodles during, uh, during seminary. And I mean, we, we just did, we didn't have any money. Uh, early on in ministry, but I'm telling you, God has taken care of us time and time and time again financially. If you've met my wife, you've recognized that she is not your typical preacher's wife. Thank God she is the exact right person for me, and what a blessing she is to me, and what an absolute gift she is to me. The same thing with my kids. My kids are not typical preacher's kids, but they are absolute blessings to us, absolute blessings to us. And so the things that I was most scared about, God has completely and absolutely taken care of those things. And so what I found, what I found is that, um, well, I have found that every vocation can be a calling. Every single vocation can be a, can be a calling. Teaching, if, you, if you're a school teacher, teaching matters when you treat every student as humans that God has given you to love and, and to help. If, if, if you're a coach, coaching matters when you're able to, to connect kids to, to something that they're successful at. Growing vegetables becomes kingdom kind of work when we enjoy God's green earth and, and the world that he gives us and those are gifts from him. Collecting taxes becomes kingdom work when we treat each person as a child of God in the image of God. Jobs become vocations and begin to matter when we connect what we do to God's kingdom vision for this world. Did you get that? Jobs become callings whenever we connect what we do with what God desires to occur in this world, which is love and peace and justice. Every job is a calling, I believe, and can be a calling. So, matter, so no matter what you do, no matter where you work, I believe that that can be a calling of God upon your life. That can be a calling of God on your life. So verse, um, every, every vocation could be a calling. The second thing that I, would, um, that, I would, uh, that I would tell you is that it's not about the money completely. <laughs> it's not about the money completely. 20% of American households have a six-figure income for that household. 20%. But only 7% of individuals have an, uh, have an income of six figures or more. 
Now, I, I, I want to, I'm especially uh, speaking to young adults here. Many young adults expect that they will come out making, um, mm, oh, at least eighty or $90,000, and within a few years will be uh, earning a six-figure salary. Uh, know that only 7% of Americans have a six-figure salary. It's not about the money. It is not about the money. Young adults, hear me. Hear me when I say that. It absolutely is not about the money. I've heard this from so many people that are, that are retired or nearing retirement. I've heard that from so many people who have been in, in the workforce for 20 years or so. It is not about the money. Don't go striving after jobs that have the highest earnings, uh, the highest incomes, but, they're gonna, but, they're, but it's going to destroy your soul in the process. I've come across people who experience jobs and vocations like that. They made a lot of money, but they, their souls were absolutely destroyed. Their families were absolutely destroyed because they had to work so hard to climb the ladder, because they had to work so hard to earn that income, that high income that they were experiencing. It's not, it's not about the money completely. And the reason I say uh, completely, completely is, um, is that I believe that God gives some people the ability to make a lot of money. And I'll tell you, I thank God for rich people. I thank God for rich people. Because I have found some very wealthy people in the churches that I've pastored who have been extremely generous in the life of the church. And the church has been able to do its ministry. And I believe that God has been able to do His will through the life of the church because of people who worked hard but loved Jesus as well and gave, and, and gave generously into the life of the church. And so I believe that, that God does use our uh, income that we receive. God certainly does use that income uh, that we receive. However, Jesus' call included a radical detachment from possessions. You see, that's where I think the, uh, the dividing line here is. Jesus' call was for a radical detachment of possessions. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear or the kind of house that you have or the kind of car that you drive or the amount of income that you have. Don't worry about those things. You see, when we are able to, to separate ourselves and recognize that not only are we different than the vocations we have, we're also different from our possessions as well. When we begin to understand that God has called us to have a, to have a, 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 a rabid detachment from those possessions, then we'll be able to use those possessions for the glory of God. I think this, this calling of God upon our lives and our use of money includes a willingness to contribute to the needs of others and to renounce a life soaked with making money. That's what we're called. We're called to, to be released and to renounce a life that is absolutely soaked with money. So, so what are some things that I would encourage as you are beginning to look at a call upon your life? I, I'll tell you, I've uh, over the last number of years of being a pastor, I've, I've had lots of people who have been around the church for a long, long, long time. Some who have spent decades and decades and decades in the church, and they've asked themselves 
uh, and they've asked me, Pastor, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't, I don't, I don't have a calling upon my life. Well, here's a couple of things that I would encourage you to think about. The first thing, first thing is to start where you are. Start, start right where you are. The human paradox is that we all want to have meaning and fulfillment and purpose and excitement in our lives. But, but we find those things beginning not where we want to be, but where we are. Did you get that? I, I, I want to say that. I want to say that again. The human paradox is that we all want to have meaning and fulfillment and purpose and excitement, but we find those things by starting where we are, not by starting where we want to be. Start right where you are with the vocation that you currently have, with the life that you currently have, and find meaning and purpose and excitement and fulfillment right where you are. Begin right where you are. Look around and begin to see how you can make a difference right where you are. Begin to see those, uh, those customers that you have at your business or those co-workers that you have at your business or whatever it is that if you're dealing with numbers, see those numbers as an opportunity to share God's love uh, with those around you. So that's the first thing. Start with, start with where you are. The second thing that I would encourage you to do is simply ask God to give you a calling. Ask God to give you a calling. I was, when I felt a call to ministry, and again, hear me now, there are very few people that are called to be uh, pastors. Very few people that are called to be pastors. But all of us have a unique calling. And your calling is just as unique and just as meaningful, and I'll be honest, probably even more meaningful than my calling. Because my calling is, is primarily to work in the church. Certainly, I, I, I do my part in evangelism, but my part, my, my calling is to empower you to go out into the world and to be the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus Christ in our communities that we serve. And so your calling, I'm telling you, your calling, I think, is more important than my calling. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just someone who is here uh, trying, trying to rally us all together. That, that's, that's, primarily, that's primarily my calling. But if you have not experienced your calling yet, ask God. Ask God for that calling. It, that, that's, how it happened in, that's how it happened in my life. I was a senior in high school, and I had been thinking about the things that I wanted to do with my life. Um, I was the, the youngest of five. Uh, my dad was the youngest of six. He took over the family farm. I was the youngest of five. <laughs> it was a really good chance. I was getting ready to just step right into that role that he, that he had had in his family. Uh, as, and, and he was also a, a school teacher. And, and, and I, I knew that I really wanted to make a difference in the world. That's what I wanted to do. I mean, I felt that, that yearning to make a difference in the world. And so I wanted to be a coach or a, or a, or a school teacher. And I, I, I mean, I tell my wife all the time, she has, such, she has so much more impact on the world than, I, than I've ever had. I mean, she has students that she has impacted for the last, for the last 20 years, students that, that have always remembered her. And she's had such a huge impact on, on those lives. Uh, I, I wanted to have that kind of impact. And then I thought about uh, some sort of helping 
um, I wanted to be a, maybe a doctor or something like that. I, I really had no idea, but I really was beginning to ask God, God, what do you have for me for the rest of my life? And then that was the moment. That was the moment. It was as if God slapped me upside the head and said, well, you dummy, you're supposed to be a preacher. <laughs> Everybody else in my life kind of knew it. I didn't. I was the very last one to recognize it. And it really was an absolute divine call of God upon my life. I had never thought about being a, a pastor, never had entered into my mind, even though I'd preached my first sermon when I was 12 and preached multiple times a year, every single year by the time between I was 12 and 18 years old. But it never entered into my mind that, that God was going to call me into to being a, a pastor, but he did. And when you ask God for that call upon your life, God's going to share that call with you. That's what I found. The final thing, um, final piece of advice that I would give you is uh, focus on doing one thing well. One of the things that I find us Christians doing, and I think it's a, it really is a mistake, when we try to save the world, when we try to do everything, when we try to do everything, so I'm going to be a successful business person, and then I'm going to be a successful mom, and then I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, be, I'm, I'm, I'm going to serve not on one committee of the church, but four committees on the church, and I'm going to be a part of a Bible study, and I'm going to be a part of a Sunday school class, and I'm going to, oh yeah, I'm going to teach another Bible study on the side, and then I'm going to volunteer at, you know, at, with, with band competitions, and I'm going, to, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and all kinds of things, and we, and we spread our ourselves so thin as Christians because we want to we want to do it all. We want to save the world. Let me tell you, the world is fine. It already has a savior. And there are times that we need to say no. There are times that we need to say no. Now, not obviously not when the preacher calls you and asks you to do something, <laughs> but there are, there are times when there are times that we need to say no. There are times that we need to say no, and we need to, I, I think that we first need to focus on one thing and do it well. I think God has a call upon your life. I do. In fact, it's more than I just think God has a call upon your life. I know, I know that God has a call upon your life. And if the kingdom, the kingdom of God is about justice and love, and peace, and wisdom, and moral commitment, then you are asked by God, you are commanded by God to speak life, and justice, and love, and peace, and wisdom, and moral goodness, wherever you are, and whatever you do. You see, the kingdom is, a, is about love. It's about justice, and, and peace, and if we're going to be the kind of people that are following God, if we're going to get this thing called our vocational life figured out, we've got to simply go out and bring this peace and this justice and this love into the world wherever we are and whatever we're doing. And so simply hear these words today. May you hear the voice of God in your life. May you experience the call of God today. And when you do and when you follow God, all these other things are going to take care of themselves. All these other things are going to be added to you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you bow with me?
God, we thank you that you've called us to have a vocational life. You've called us to, to recognize that we are different and we are so much more than the jobs that you have entrusted to us and given us. In fact, we are your children. Beyond anything else, we are your children. We're not defined by being an attorney. We're not defined by being a secretary. We're not defined by, by being a pastor. We're not defined by being a teacher. Instead, we are defined by your love for us in Jesus Christ. Oh God, give us a call upon our lives. Help us to hear very clearly today. And indeed, if there are some here, right here today, that are feeling a, 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 a specific call, God, help them to respond today. Especially if there are those who are so very fearful of a call that you have upon their lives. Especially those that feel a call to working in the life of the church and vocational ministry as a pastor. God, help them to set aside their fears and to follow you. We pray these things through the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand?